go again. All right. We're live. Welcome to hey, everybody. the Crypto Mining Tools podcast. And today we have Rob uh, as our guest and Ethan, our co-host. Hi, everyone. Um, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, um, and what you're up to? Awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Ethan. First of all, uh, let me just say happy holidays to everybody. I uh, hope uh, everyone's having a great holiday season and getting a chance to take a break from uh, the crazy world that is cryptocurrency. Uh, and um, uh, I'm uh, my, my name is Rob Walther, and uh, I've been in IT infrastructure and operations for about 25 years. I've been building uh, data centers and running IT operations all over the world. And um, I was uh, director of global operations for Fidelity Investments. Uh, for about five years. And in, while I was at Fidelity, uh, I, I went to a lunch and learn and they had a, a, a little expose on Bitcoin mining. And Fidelity, is, as you may know, is doing quite a bit with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. And, um, you know, being a, in IT, uh, as they explain the technology and the, the blockchain and everything behind it, I, I immediately became just enthralled. Uh, I left that, that meeting um, just really wanting to learn more. And I started researching and learning everything I could about it um, and started networking uh, in, in the area in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I was living at the time. And uh, uh, I met some really great people in the space uh, that were also just as excited about the technology as I was. Um, started working uh, with uh, JP Barrick uh, at Mining Store. Uh, and we did some fantastic things together, building some data centers and hosting for, for mining equipment um, all over the country. And uh, they're still doing some phenomenal things. Uh, very excited about what they're bringing to the community. And, um, uh, and then a, a couple months ago, um, I, I, and for the past year or so, I've been doing some research on liquid immersion cooling. Uh, became very interested in that and the future possibilities that that brings to the mining and efficiencies. And so that's, uh, that's kind of a little history of how I, I got to where I am today. Uh, just really uh, excited about the future of cryptocurrency and mining and supporting it in any way that I can. Tell us what you've, what have you learned uh, about immersion systems? Because I'm always fascinated by um, immersion technology, and I, I do believe it is the future of mining. Yeah, absolutely. So, so liquid immersion and cooling, and, and this is really the what, what I hope to get most across today in this podcast is, is an explanation of all the research that I've done and try to boil it down, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> to, to some some easy digestible information. So liquid immersion um, is uh, it comes in, in a couple different types. Um, there's single phase liquid immersion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two phase liquid immersion and there's um, indirect uh, liquid immersion. Um, so those three types, single single phase. Um, yeah, tell us the different types. This is yeah. this is very interesting. Yeah. So single phase, basically uh, the, the the computers uh, and the servers are completely immersed in a mm -hmm. non-conductive liquid. Uh, while these machines are, are in the liquid, you can actually put your hands in the liquid and you won't get shocked or electrocuted. Ooh, yeah. All right, so, so um, they're completely non-conductive. And single phase, um, 
basically the, the heat from the chips and the computers goes into the fluid directly. And then uh, as the, the hot fluid rises to the top of the mm -hmm. immersion tanks, uh, that fluid then goes to a heat exchanger uh, where the heat is removed uh, and, and then uh, transferred to either directly into air or to another fluid potentially. And then that, that same fluid then comes back into the bottom of the tank and completes the cycle all over again. Okay, so, that, so it goes from the bottom to the top of the tank? Correct. Fluid, and okay. Natural convection takes the heat to the top. And they call it single phase because the fluid actually doesn't change phase. It doesn't evaporate, it doesn't, it just heats okay. up, okay? So these fluids have, have a high boiling point, uh, so they don't actually boil. They just take the heat and then uh, that heat is then uh, gone through the heat exchanger and removed, and then that cooler fluid comes back in. What about fire? Is this fluid flammable at all? Is it? Yeah, it just seems so unnatural to see electronics immersed. It does. It's really counterintuitive, isn't it? Um, you know, the, the, the fluids that I've been using, and there's a couple different types of fluids that I'll explain here in a minute, but they're very, it's very important to make sure that the fluids you're using have high flash points, have high burn points. Okay, uh, so you can eliminate the, the, the risk of fire. Okay. And so many tell of us these have very, very high flash points. Yeah, tell us about the, uh, the, the dual phase. So you told us about yeah. single phase. So tell us about the, the, the dual phase. Absolutely. So, so dual phase or, or two, uh, two phase is exactly what it, what it says. So it, the fluid actually changes phase. So it goes from a, from a liquid to a gas, to a gas. and uh, it actually has a low boiling point. So as the, um, the heat from the chips uh, goes into the fluid, uh, the fluid boils. And, and okay. uh, that change of phase is a great way to remove that heat. Now, that as that gas and vapor from the boiling of that liquid goes to the top of the tank, it brings the heat with it. And sure. uh, in these two phase liquid immersion tanks, what they have, what you'll commonly find is a heat exchanger right above the fluid. Okay. And as that gas and vapor interacts with the heat exchanger, it recondenses and uh, drip, drips right back down into the container, into the tank. So, so I'm, imagining, I'm imagining something like a, a still, right? So you have the fluid at the bottom and then it evaporates up through some condenser coils and then comes down. So something similar to that? Yeah, it actually uh, doesn't go into the coils. It, it, it condenses on the surface of the coils and then drips mm -hmm. back down. Okay. So it, it, what's nice about two-phase is that... Um, that fluid in the tank um, stays in the tank essentially. It doesn't need to get piped out to a, to a separate heat. Change the heat. Okay. It, it stays self-contained. Now, the, some of the, the potential problems with with two phase is that it can it can some of the fluid can evaporate completely out of the tank. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it does it does tend to stay. Uh, the vapor does tend to stay right above the fluid, but you know you have to have sealed tanks uh, to, mm -hmm. to some extent to prevent loss uh, from just evaporation. And uh, so it's, it's a little trickier, but uh, it's, it's also very efficient. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the fluid in the heat exchanger above the, above the tank fluid is usually water or some, uh, some cooler uh, based fluid that makes sure that it hits the saturation point so that that vapor recondenses and drips back down into the tank.
Wow. So, yeah, yeah it, it sounds like a much more complicated system. So tell us about now, now there's also a three phase system. Well, there's what's called indirect cooling. So, uh, you know, okay, a lot indirect. Of you have, yeah, a lot of you may have heard of like water cooled uh, mm -hmm. systems. And, and basically it's um, the, the machines aren't necessarily immersed in, mm -hmm. uh, in water, uh, right? Because that's conductive. So that would not be good. Um, but the the water is brought directly to the chip and in plate in yeah. in, uh, in contained, however, so it doesn't leak out. Uh, but it, it removes the fluid in right into the water, which is right next to the chip in in a contained chamber, and then that fluid then gets ejected out and cooled and then brought back back in. But those are very specific, require a lot of treatment uh, specific mm -hmm. to the Fords to make sure the water doesn't leak out actually and get on the electronics equipment. So it's called indirect. Okay. So right. Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this relates to cryptocurrency mining and, um, and how you're using or planning to use immersion? Yeah, sure. So one of the, the great things about liquid immersion is that it is known to be uh, more efficient than air cooling systems. Uh, now, there's a lot of statistics around how much more efficient is liquid immersion. Uh, I've heard anywhere from 10% to 40%. Uh, mm -hmm. It really depends on what sort of air-cooled data center you're comparing liquid immersion to. Um, mm -hmm. There are some air-cooled data centers that, uh, like in cryptocurrency, in, in many cases, that where there's no chillers, no air conditioners, it's purely just outside ambient air which is more efficient, right, than, than your traditional data center with a very expensive crack unit um, or air conditioner unit. Uh, but it still is more efficient. And, and what's great about uh, liquid immersion for cryptocurrency is that you can remove the fans entirely from the machines themselves. So the, the machines don't have to spend all that power to run fan, yeah. cool them, right? So a, a lot of times when, when I'm, you know, putting cryptocurrency miners in, in this liquid immersion pooling, cooling systems, I'll just take the fans off completely. And that can save anywhere from, you know, uh, five to 30%, depending on how many fans or what types of fans are on the, on the equipment. Mm -hmm. So um, more efficient. Uh, other benefits are like um, a lot less noisy. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's, it's able to run equipment in hot and humid climates. So uh, we can keep machines running here in Texas where I'm at uh, <clears throat> in the middle of the summer uh, in liquid immersion cooling and also um, in colder climates. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about hot air recirculation back into uh, a data center unit because uh, it, the, the liquid immersion keeps it at a, at a consistent temperature and is able to do that in both hot and cold climates. So there's benefits in running it in both environments. Um, it's, um, uh, it's also eliminating uh, dust and, and airborne contaminants um, and humidity uh, from running through these, these machines, which can be very dis uh, destructive and corrosive to the equipment. Uh, I'm sure many people in the cryptocurrency industry, mining industry, have seen dirty, dirty machines. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's just not, not uh, uh, part of the liquid immersion world. Uh, these machines uh, stay running, stay clean, stay consistent, and, and use less power uh, and create less noise. So it's, it's just so much better overall. 
uh, and it's it's a technology that is going to, I think, really start to take off here as it becomes more affordable, uh, which has been a, a challenge for liquid immersion. So I'm really glad that you mentioned affordability because I think that's been the, the largest hurdle for anyone to get involved. Um, what are you doing to to help with those challenges to to make it more affordable to make it easier for people to get into it yeah so that's that is really one of my main objectives with what i'm trying to do here is is what can we do to um not necessarily reinvent the wheel uh, liquid immersion has been around for a long time it's very well proven technology but what can we do to um optimize it make it more efficient uh, take this bread box and make it just a little bit better of a bread box, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple of ways that, um, uh, uh, you know, based on my 25 years of experience in IT infrastructure and operations, so I'm bringing into that um, some, um, uh, some ingenuity, so, some uh, innovation uh, mm -hmm. that will make it more cost effective. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of liquid immersion systems uh, require uh, an external dry cooler where the single phase fluid leaves the tank and goes mm -hmm. out to this external dry cooler system. It's chilled and then brought back into the tank. Well, that's a lot of plumbing uh, that that, yeah. uh, that uh, uh, heat exchanger outside the unit is is very can be very expensive. Uh, a lot of pumping and, and moving parts. Uh, so what I've done with my modular data center uh, design is I've actually integrated the heat exchanger directly into uh, the module container itself. Okay. So that eliminates the, uh, the amount of piping. Uh, the, um, the heat exchangers that I'm using are much more cost effective uh, than the, the dry coolers, these big units that are outside. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes the... Uh, the modular data center much more mobile uh, because we don't have external pieces lying all around that that have to be integrated. So it's it's very integrated, all built inside of this one container system. Um, in addition to that, uh, I, I've been uh, bringing in a lot of innovation into the design of the tank, keeping it simple, um, and and not over engineering it, and also working with the fluid providers to make sure we're getting the best cost uh, possible on the, on the fluids. Uh, and uh, the, the other thing is maintenance. So, um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of time and energy to maintain an air-cooled data center. Well, I've designed my uh, liquid immersion systems to be completely remote controlled. Everything, wow. every circuit, every um, breaker, every pump, every machine, every network port can be completely 100% monitored, maintained, stopped and started in uh, from a remote location. It's all internet connected systems. So, uh, and, and then uh, one of the other things that um, I'd like to touch on here as well uh, is, you know, I think a lot of us start are starting to see much more powerful uh, mining machines coming on the market. Yeah. Um, so we have machines like the M20 or I think our 3,200 or 3,600 Watts. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. And, and these machines require a tremendous amount, uh, of, uh, power and, and heat removal, which liquid immersion is really becoming, 
the way to go with these higher powered machines and air cooling just really can't keep up with some of these higher powered machines, or, or I should say in certain climate conditions, it can be very difficult for mm. air cooled systems to, uh, to maintain some of these higher powered equi equipment, um, depending on airflow and the design and everything. Right. So, uh, one thing that I've done with my design is each circuit is capable of, of supporting 4,000 watts. Wow. wow. Um, so um, we can, and then uh, with the liquid immersion cooling, we can uh, help to make sure that that heat is removed efficiently and that that equipment is run at a, at a very safe, stable, supportable temperature in the long term to keep that machine running for years to come. So at 4,000 watts, I mean, at, at that point, you're not, really dealing with um, C13 or C19 connectors? Uh, are you thinking about modifying how the miner actually connects to the power source at that point? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the C19 connectors, C20 connectors are still viable for, for that setup. Um, the PDUs that I have actually uh, with the 4,000 watts per circuit can, can support the C19, C20 connectors. So that's okay. still, still possible. But I think as we, we that really is pushing the limits though, Scott, as we start to go uh, even potentially above that. Uh, uh, so they're gonna have to start using new and different connectors. And, and the power supplies are definitely changing. Um, there is seems to be a movement towards 480 to 77 directly. Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, as opposed to today, most of the power supplies can only go up to 250 to 260. So there is, yeah, there's starting to be some movement and change there as well. That's um, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. One, like one to... question I had um, going back to, to maintenance. Uh, yeah. I, so I was wondering if you put something in immersion, uh, usually it's going to, well, yeah, it's, it's going to break the, the warranty. Um, it's going to avoid the warranty. So, and I know there's some mining manufacturers that are coming out with uh, boards that are made for immersion so that that might be advantageous to work with a company like that but for the most part yeah you know if if you're buying the bitmain or um ebaying or or what's minor they they it's going to avoid the warranty so uh, are you thinking like you're going to be putting used miners in here or or brand new miners or what what's your strategy for sourcing um and, and using those types of miners yeah, so there is concern around warranty for sure. Um, right now, we're we're just specking out the S9s just to start with, um, and then uh, uh, you know the the thing about voiding the warranty, you know, the the liquid immersion is uh, capable of keeping these machines free of dust and free of corrosive materials and free of the problems that usually break machines. And so that uh, you're going to end up finding that the machines just run better in, in liquid immersion cooling. Uh, not to say that uh, we wouldn't want to get the machine fixed if a component does break. But uh, you're right, Scott. A lot of uh, these manufacturers are starting to come out with uh, boards and equipment that is specific to liquid immersion. And what's nice about that new equipment uh, is that it's it can be more even more dense than, than air-cooled systems because mm -hmm. you can really pack in a lot of equipment in a small amount of fluid and, and, uh, and get a lot more density uh, with that new equipment. So, um, you know, what, what we're finding is, is users are generally okay with putting their equipment in liquid immersion 
even if it affects the warranty. A lot of these machines um, uh, just, you know, ha have the uh, a chance to run better in liquid immersion, so they're they're not so concerned about it. But uh, we also uh, are able to provide repair and maintenance services for anything that does break. So that's uh, that's a way to mitigate that as well. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'd like to uh, take this moment to give a shout out to our sponsor, Nova Block. Nova Block is a mining pool that opened up here in August 2019. Um, and in four short months, they've managed to become with one of the top 15 pools in the world. And they believe that as hash rate is migrating from China towards North America, they want to be a part of that movement and they want to give their clients transparency and educate them on the best pools that are out there. So if you guys have not tried Nova Block, Go ahead, give them a shot. I mean, they rock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we're we're offering the opportunity right now for uh, our users to go to the novablock.com website, and you can sign up in the top right hand corner. And on their website, if you enter the invitation code offered eighteen, that's O F F O R D one eight. Uh, you can get a permanent reduction in your pool fees down to 1.8%. Um, and uh, it also, if you have a lot uh, larger uh, amounts of hash power that you can throw at it, uh, you could probably even get a little bit lower than, than at 1.8%. So uh, yeah, thanks to our sponsor, NovaBlock. Uh, everybody go check them out at novablock.com. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Rob, with these S9s, like what are the pitfalls that you found? I mean, obviously you've overcome a lot of the, the, the challenges um, that immersion brings, but and I really love the idea that everything is self-contained. Is that like a shipping container that you're talking about or? Yeah, right now we're, we're building this into a high cube shipping container, uh, both 20 and 40 foot models. So um, everything fits inside. And like I said, including the heat exchanger, um, there's each, uh, each 40 foot, uh, container, uh, has 20 tanks mm -hmm. and can support 920 S nines, uh, each uh, tank, uh, each, uh, container. Oh, okay. Each container. modular data center is 920. Each tank, uh, has, can hold 46 S nines or 24 S 17 type devices. Okay. Well, what are you making your tanks? out of what kind of material? Uh, stainless steel. And uh, there's there's all different kinds of, uh, you can use cold rolled steel, stainless steel, um, aluminum. There's some people that are using some, uh, <clears throat> uh, some plastic fiberglass type mm -hmm. uh, units as well. But uh, right now we're, we're looking at stainless uh, to be the most uh, cost effective and um, corrosive resistant and, you know, providing the fewest particulates into the, into the fluid. Um, and that, that brings to mind maybe the different types of fluid I could talk about if you'd like. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, with, with single phase, uh, the, the main type of fluid there is, is, um, dielectric, um, synthetic dielectric is, is the preferred choice. Uh, mineral oil is also possible. Uh, for uh, you may have heard machines running in mineral oil. 
Yeah. Uh, with, min with mineral oil, though, I'd, I'd be really careful because there's not as many controls around the it's mineral oil is just simply a, a byproduct. It's, it's a distillate of the petroleum process. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a petroleum petroleum byproduct that can contain sulfurs and corrosive materials and even carcinogenic mm -hmm. stuff that's could be hazardous to employees. Um, so when you're looking for a, a single phase fluid, I would look for something that's synthetic that is made in a controlled process where all of the um, uh, contaminants are removed and it's a very homogenous uh, uh, liquid. Uh, also, uh, mineral oil is very, it can be very viscous uh, and can oxidize over time and change color and get dirty. Um, whereas synthetic dielectric fluids um, uh, don't really oxidize or they stay clear, they're odorless, they're also food grade, they're very, biodegradable, they're very uh, environmental friendly. Uh, mineral oil, uh, depending on how it's made, mm -hmm. uh, can can be the exact opposite. It can be very, very non-biodegradable and uh, mm -hmm. very environmentally friendly. So that's for single phase. For, for dual phase, the two phase, uh, they, they use what's called a, a fluorinated fluid. And that's the type of fluid that I mentioned earlier that boils at a really low temperature. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, uh, one thing about that is it, it, it can also be uh, non-biodegradable mm -hmm. and it can also be, it's tr traditionally more expensive than uh, some of the synthetic dielectric fluids. Uh, and, it, and it can be, uh, there, there's some material safety issues as well with some of those fluorinated systems. So fluids, so there's, there's pros and cons to, to both. But those are the, the three different kinds of fluids. And then obviously there's there's water for the water chilled systems. Yeah. 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 Um, so you mentioned it's it's food grade. Would, would this be something like I could dip my finger in and put it in my mouth and like I wouldn't have to go to the hospital and, and worried about being poisoned or anything like that? Um, that's absolutely correct. Uh, wow. You know, I wouldn't do that with mineral oil. Um, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, mineral oil is really built for lubricant, machine lubricants and cosmetics and things like that. Um, but this synthetic dielectric fluid uh, is is safe. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend ingesting it, uh, mm -hmm. but it is safe. It's not going to cause you any any major harm. Uh, there's there's no uh, there, the material safety data sheets do rec do say that it is it is safe to ingest. You don't, you're not going to need a medical treatment for it. Um, so yes, uh, it, there's even some people who have on videos, uh, you know, ingested it, uh, <laughs> no. you know, I, you're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I do not recommend it. Uh, but, uh, again, it is safe. Yes. Okay. And you also mentioned the, the viscosity of mineral oil, I I know from firsthand experience that mineral oil can be very viscous. And when I first started looking into immersion systems, I mean, this was like two and a half years ago, and I was seeing Russians putting it in Tupperware containers and you know mineral fluid, <laughs> putting their miners in there. Um, can you give me a, a little bit more of an idea of what the viscosity of of the dielectric that that you recommend to use is? Yeah, so that that is a great question. I don't have the viscosity number off the top of my head, but um, what I can tell you is that um, the fluid that I'm using um, is um, 
has really good viscosity, low viscosity, even in cold weather temperatures. Okay. Um, with mineral oils, you have some waxes and things like that that are yeah. in the fluid, yeah. which cause it to really thicken. And, and the problem is, as fluid gets more viscous, uh, it, its heat removal properties are reduced. Yes. So yeah. the synthetic fluid that I'm using is um, is controlled and built in a way that it 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 doesn't uh, the viscosity does increase in, in cold weather slightly, but nowhere near to the point where we be, becomes uh, unusable for heat removal, and and is very um, similar to to water in many respects and how. Okay. It, yeah. So I, I just kind of wanted like a comparative. Is it like water? Is it like baby oil? Is it like you know? 5w30 that you put into your car like you know just to get an the idea best way to explain it is is if you would imagine water with a little bit of uh almost like baby oil kind of uh feel to it, it okay it has, it has an oil type feel to it but it, it's almost uh it pours and and flows very similar to water okay. but it, it does have an oily feel to it I have another question too, and I'm I'm sorry to keep bombarding you with these questions. Yeah, but, no, please. Um, when when you take the cars out, let let's here here's another thing that that Scott and I see in the industry is you know we help broker the sale of miners, and so you know obviously if somebody has an immersion system and then they want to repack them, you know into um, you know just the the regular you know rig frames and put the fans on or whatnot how would you get the oil off of the the circuit boards itself is there a process to that yeah that that's a fantastic question and that, and that raises one of the pros and cons too of the different types of fluids that are out there so with the dielectric fluid it does leave a residue uh on on the equipment and they uh the providers of these dielectric fluids do provide solvents that are also very safe that can be used to simply dip and remove that fluid. Okay. And when that, um, that, that solvent, uh, in, in, when it comes out of the solvent, then uh, it, be, it comes out essentially clean and dry. Oh, um, wow. so, so you can, you can let, you can restore that machine back to an air-based system if you needed to. Um, yeah, and I've, I've seen some of those before that, that have come out of immersion and they look, brand spanking new yeah. sparkly and like, like almost, jewels yeah. <laughs> yeah and 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 with the the two-phase uh the fluorinated fluids um those do come out dry mm -hmm. because that essentially the fluorinated fluid is a solvent already that's mm -hmm. what it is it was in fact the fluorinated fluids um were designed to be solvents from the get-go so um they come out dry but with the synthetic dielectric fluids, uh, they do come out with uh, with a, a film on them. And that has to be washed off, but then they come out clean and clean as a whistle, like you said. All yeah, right. there's an additional process there, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rob, uh, before we wrap it up, why don't we why don't you just tell us a little bit about where we can find you online, and uh, if somebody has questions about immersion, uh, where they could find you? Yes, absolutely. So. Um, before I get to that, I just wanted to mention one more thing real quick. Um, in liquid immersion, uh, you can generally overclock the equipment more than you can in um, air-cooled systems. And so um, being able to get 10, 20, 40, 50% more, if not, if not more, out of each machine 
uh, is a huge uh, advantage for liquid immersion versus air-cooled systems too. So I just wanted to make sure I, I pointed that out. Right. Uh, as far as finding me, so so you guys are really hearing about uh, the beginnings of of my company. Uh, I'm just in the in the startup phase. Um, I do not have uh, much of an online presence, and that's on purpose. Uh, but I will be having a website uh, coming up here early in January. Uh, I wanted to finish out my testing and the prototype build. Uh, I will be offering. Um, a joint venture opportunity for anybody who's interested in participating early on, uh, which will have some great benefits and potentially even some equity uh, for folks that might be interested in participating with this company and this new startup. And um, uh, I'll be having, you know, the, the Twitter and the Instagram and all the other great social media platforms to go along with it. Uh, in the meantime, just feel free to, to reach out to me directly on Telegram is the best way to reach me. Um, I also have a, a Twitter handle, which is at containment, uh, contain M-I-N-T. Uh, you can reach me there as well. So I look forward to answering any questions that you have and really appreciate your time and, and uh, really look forward to bringing liquid immersion to the market and help helping expand its, uh, its use across the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for coming on to our podcast and uh, we'll talk to you again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. We really learned a lot and very informative. And I just want to give a shout out to all of our, our audience. You know, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah, and happy, happy new year if we don't see you again. Take care. Thanks, guys. Right, thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. And uh, one last time, thank you to our sponsor, novablock.com. And uh, like I said earlier, you go to their website and on the top right-hand side, click that sign up button. And there's an area for an invitation code and just type in OFFORD18 and you can get a permanent reduction in your pool fees down to 1.8%. Thank you, Nova Block.